Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and uh, we are broadcasting live from a insecure bunker. It's insecure this week, in, yes. In uh, Cincinnati. We are struggling a little bit, and we are audio only today. Yes. Um, and we hope everyone is doing well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, we have a really good show coming up in a second. Um, I wanted to say a few things. First, if that's okay. Yes. So last week we did a show on something maybe groundbreaking in corporate, right? We talked about starting to reverse in the information technology sector the amount of offshore outsourcing. Right. Yeah, it was a great show. And um, when you look at the plan and the metrics and what's happening and Everything, it seems like a no-brainer. And what's in the way can only be fear, right? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's complicated, right? So it's not about having the right plan to succeed in corporate. Mm -hmm. It's about managing your fear, Okay, and um, it's it really gets to me. You know, we're trying to get the C-level guys to step up, and we're trying to get the individual contributors to ste- step up. Um, and there's a definite link to what I'm saying about all this and with what we're going to talk about today. That's, I agree. I agree 100%. That's yeah. um, my point. And I want to say one more thing. When yeah. uh, at a you at a recent workshop had people coming up and doing some stuff. And one of the themes that someone out of the blue picked was what is happiness? Mm -hmm. And it was really good. The guy did a great job, but never really described what it is, Mm -hmm. right? Just described, is it this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it making a lot of money? Is it laying on the beach? Is it having children, you know, what is happiness? So, um, you know, it really works well today because the tough guys that are angry, maybe it's because they're not happy, right? They're not understanding what happiness is and they, it's okay to be happy, Right. Right. Well, and I, there's just so much to it, right? I mean, you think that if you get enough money, then you'll be able to relax and be happy. Whereas it's really the opposite. It's be happy first and then start working towards the money. Right. And, you know, I remember in Pasadena about, I don't know, five, six years ago, we were there and we met a, someone who said his goal is to make everybody happy. Right. And I remember that. I'm, you know, I confess, right? I confess at the moment I said to myself, what an idiot, right? No one's going to listen to this guy. Mm -hmm. And now here I am five years later, 
and I say the same thing, what an idiot, only about me, mm, mm-hmm. right? Because it is missing. And you can, you can be a world leader and be happy. You can be a corporate director and be happy. You can be an individual contributor and be happy. Well, and think about that. If everybody were happy, what a difference it would be. I mean, the workplace would just be, it would be 180 degrees different. Right. So, um, and people think, well, if you're happy, then you're weak, right? That's weakness. weakness. It's a sign of weakness. It's always that stupid sign of weakness. Right. You know, rage isn't a sign of weakness, but being happy is a sign of weakness. Right. So I'll happily kick everybody's ass. <laughs> right. Um, okay. No, I, it's very important. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really excited. So enough, right? I would like to introduce someone who's going to put all this in perspective. Yes. She's going to help us, right? And we're all going to move forward together. I would like to introduce our very special guest, Sue Bryan. Are you with us? I am with you, yes. (laughs) So, okay, so welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and thank you for being patient. Um, Maybe share first your contact information so our listeners can follow along. Okay. The best way to get me is through email at ImagineSue, so that's the word imagine, then S-U-E, at inward-journey.com. Got it. Um, excellent. And that's the website as well, inward-journey.com. That's correct, yeah. Right. Okay, so you heard my uh, rant. Um, what What is your message to us, right? What are you trying to share with the world? Well, first of all, let me just say that it was a thrill to hear your rant. <laughs> <laughs> And and to talk to people who I really feel are on the same page with me. Um, you, you know, you asked what is happiness, and it's a, it's an elusive kind of question. But for me, the answer is it's an energy, it's a mood, it, mm. it's an attitude, and because it is that, we have access to it any single moment. So I guess my message to the world is that happiness is not just an extraneous, maybe someday I'll get there, but it's an obligation right now. We make the world a better place by holding ourselves as as much as possible in that energy of goodwill and happiness and appreciation. It makes the world a better place. Eva, you said that. The world mm-hmm. It better. absolutely does. So Eva, you yeah. agree that it's a mood? And well, not, yeah, I and, do. And state. And I, it, I agree with it's with all of it, right? Um, I agree with it's an attitude, it's a mood, it's energy, right? Because you can feel that energy, you can feel that energy of anger, you can feel that energy of happiness. It can change the mood in a room, I think. Um, so no, I mean, I I absolutely agree with what Sue is saying. So okay, and. Uh, we have some of your material, so it's really, really good, and we'll share some questions along the way. Um, but w- where would you like to begin here? I mean, is this um, is this a behavioral adjustment that we need to make? Yeah, and how did you how did you decide to start working with happiness? Because that's not really that's not really an easy topic to address. I mean, I think people put it out there that you know they would like to be happy, but they just 
never really know what that, no one really knows what that means exactly, I think. Yeah, and for me, this whole process of the book and everything else started because I was really, really unhappy. Mm. That's a good place to start. It's always it's always best when we start with ourselves, right? It's <laughs> yeah. where the, we're an easy test subject. Yeah, we are, we are, and and I have always, you know, seen myself as optimistic and forward looking and a bright light and all that. But I was just going through some stuff, and I was allowing. I was feeling really, really unhappy and and a little bit helpless about it. And so I just kept asking myself, how how does this with that image of myself that I've always had as, as a bright light, as, a, as a, an optimist, you know, the eternal mm-hmm. optimist, the goofy idealist, you know. How does this feeling of unhappiness fit with that? And it, and it didn't. It couldn't. Um, so I thought, okay, so what am, I'm doing something here. And then I realized I was making a choice to stay in the unhappiness. And it it was doing something for me to do that. Um, You know, it was helping me think things through or whatever. But I realized very clearly just one night sitting in my home being really unhappy, thinking, oh, this is a choice that I'm making. And that was a kind of a revolution inside myself because I hadn't thought of being happy as a choice before that. It just had been who I am. I thought there's some happy people and there's some unhappy people. But when I realized I was making a choice to stay in unhappiness, I thought, oh, I can change this any moment. And I did. So that's that's, um, sort of light switch like, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Let me ask, did it change your um, ways? In other words, are you still a positive idealist? Totally. (laughs) Okay, that's good news, right? I mean, we want to make sure... (laughs) Um, because I think it's interesting when you say, um, I was unhappy being that. And, it, you know, I look at it like for me, it's why can't everybody see what I see? It's so clear. Yeah. And it makes me unhappy, even though I believe in what I'm doing. So somehow I have to, as you say, shift to become happy within Yes, and you do it in the moment. You don't do it overall. I don't, you know, it's not about thinking, oh, I'm just going to be happy every day the rest of my life. I'm just going to choose happiness for my life. It's, it's not really about that. It's about in this moment, I'm, I'm going to choose to be happy. I'm going to access that energy inside myself. You know, I really like that because I think when people hear, oh, well, you know, you're making a choice to be happy forever. It's like it just seems so overwhelming at times. Right. But when you're just looking at it moment to moment in each given moment, I can either be happy or unhappy. Mm -hmm. Something comes up and it could be terrible news, but I can choose to handle it from a place of peace or I can choose to handle it from a place of angst. And um but I think it's it's a simple concept, but as you know, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. There's a lot of things that pull on us. Um, some of them are social. You know, one of the things that always comes to my mind, because I was a teacher for a long time, so I spent a lot of time in staff rooms, right, in mm-hmm. teacher rooms. And a lot of the conversation in any workplace revolves around, oh, 
I have so much to do. You think <laughs> you have so much to do. You should see the pile of work on my desk. Or, you know, I only slept four hours last night. Well, at least you got four hours. I only, <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> you heard it, right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's everybody has to one-up the misery level, right? The yeah. misery index is on high, on high yeah. alert. Yeah, and we do it we do it in our own personal misery and we do it when we're discussing the things that we've heard on the news, for example. Oh, I heard about this and well, ten years ago this happened. You know, it's it's this crazy cultural thing that keeps us in a spiral of distress. And so yes, there are a million things that are pulling at us to keep us from switching on happiness. Um and it takes a, a commitment to Ourselves, I think it takes there's, there has to be some level of um, understanding that that distress cycle doesn't serve me on any level. It damages my body, it damages my relationships, it damages my ability to get ahead in my career. But we, we're not taught that. Um, but if we can see that switching out of distress and into happiness will help us improve our health, our relationships, our career, then the commitment can be a little easier to make in the moment. I'm thinking it doesn't even have to change your response, right? Your response can be the same, only it's going to be delivered differently. Possibly. That would be very tricky. Yeah. Because I would think that would be really tricky. And and the other thing that I think is tricky is so, you know, you're walking into the teacher's lounge and everybody's one-upping each other. Actually, they did that on Amy Schumer the other night when they were all one-upping each other. And then the last person came in and they they gave her a compliment and she just said thank you and then they all like took their own lives. They and so weren't when you used to hearing it, yeah. <laughs> they weren't used to hearing it. So when you walk into the teacher's lounge and suddenly you're sounding positive, uh, I'm interested to hear what exactly was the response. <laughs> well, there's a lot of silence. <laughs> right. So it's like, what? What's her? What is she on? You know, I, <laughs> I spent some amount of time, you know, there was a period of time when I was doing this, and, and, I, and I kept thinking, I'm, I'm a little bit like the, the village idiot, you know? And that's mm. what it felt like. I, I'm a little bit like that crazy, happy-go-lucky jester who just is always upbeat and positive, even though the world is crashing down around them, you know? And I thought, but it's okay. I can live with that. I can live with that image of myself. Yeah, and we're we're just about to take our first break, but I actually want to talk about that a little bit. Like, what are some strategies um, for dealing with that? Because I think the negativity can come back twice as hard when you try to be positive. So let's talk about that when we come back from our break. Um, so stay with us, everyone. Um, we're talking with Sue Bryan, and we will be right back. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning Shared Leadership Training Seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. 
Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And our guest today is Sue Bryan. And Sue is a mind-body coach. And she's been a school developer, a parent educator, and life coach for almost four decades. And she is the author of Being Truly Happy, Seven Secrets of Truly Happy People. And you can find out more about Sue by going to her website at www.inner-journey.com. So, Sue, before the break, we were talking a little bit about <laughs> when you first walk into the uh, teacher's lounge and you were you walked in with a much happier attitude as compared to everyone else. They were all doom and gloom and you walked in just being Pollyanna. And then, you know, you were saying that you kind of felt like the village idiot. And so how were you able to not downwardly spiral as they started, you know, going into it? Because I mean, so much of that is really a habit. Yes, it absolutely is a habit. And I, I, I don't think I was successful all the time. You know, there were times mm-hmm. when I got into it, too. Um, but the important part about that is to walk away from that, not judging myself for it, realizing it's a process. I'm in a process. I didn't just all of a sudden, you know, change dramatically. I have to work my way through change. So that's the first thing is, you know, we, we judge ourselves way too harshly and way too much anyway. Um, but the, the, the best technique that I ever had for dealing with that is just silence. Just don't participate. You know, you can listen. Yeah. You can be there. But don't add your story. It's so interesting to do that because you'll feel the pull of that part of you that wants to compete in that race. You know, welling up, but I want to tell that story about this thing I heard on television. You know, whatever. Um, and, and so it's just interesting to sit and go, I'm choosing not to do that because that energy doesn't serve me. It's, it's a self choice right choice for me well and that's so interesting because um there is that competitive piece of it like you think you've got it bad you haven't heard anything especially that part about where because this is so true especially that part about what you said you know where that person said well i got four hours sleep and then the next person says oh four hours like i would kill for four hours (laughs) what i would do with four hours i don't even know I don't even know. I'd be so rested I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, and you get into that competitive thing because otherwise you feel like you're not really in with the gang anymore. Well, that's part of it. And part of it is that comes from a very deep-seated need that we each have to be acknowledged and validated for our experience and for the things that we do. And and being on top of that competition gives us a sense of of okay yeah I am I'm 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 good you know I people mm-hmm. see me. So the fear comes into it as well. So if we're in the workplace and there's a lot of hoopla going on in a meeting, and I'm doing what we just discussed, I'm chomping at the bit to speak because I don't want to get passed over. 
Right. I don't want anybody to think I'm not in the moment, right? So I just speak. Whereas maybe if I was silent, yeah, I would get those observations that you guys were just talking about. I would feel the pull, but I would be fearful that it's going to cost me. Does that make sense? Oh, by not participating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, because because in the court, because in the business culture, um, if you're one of the gang, you get promoted. Is that the sort of thought? The That's sort of, sort of the thought. Yes, okay. you're in the in crowd, or you're in your you're the go-to person that needs to be speaking all the time. Well, and that yeah, that's just so interesting because I think actually the reverse is true. I, I, in my experience, and it wasn't you know it was in schools, which is a little bit of a different kind of workplace. But what I found was people would come to me and they would go. You're always so positive. I just want to hang by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really true. I mean, that's part of what you talk about with the likability factor, right? Likability, part of being likable is that you tend to not be Debbie Downer, but you tend to be more upbeat. So what we have to learn here, what I'm hearing for me at least, is I have to hold. I have hold. to do like William Wallace, right? <laughs> hold. I have to hold, I don't want to come out, I want to be silent and try to maintain my positive inner mood, right, which would give me a positive demeanor, right, and if I'm asked to participate or asked to contribute, I can contribute, I don't have to force it. Right, and that was something that we were talking about before we even started, and and I'd like to get your opinion on it, Sue, is that You know, a lot of times when you're the happy one or the positive one, especially men, tend to see that as weakness. And how can you address that so that people don't see that as weakness? Because it's not weakness. No, it really isn't weakness. And I think that if people had any idea what kind of inner strength it takes to stay in that energetic state of happiness when the world is how it is, they would not interpret it as weakness. Um but, I, but it's, I, I don't know, because I, I feel like there's a couple of different things that we're talking about. Um, one, a lot of times when people think about being happy or being nice or being appreciative, they think also they bundle it together with being non-assertive. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't need to be bundled together. It is perfectly possible to be happy and assertive. An example of that would be, walking into a workplace scenario where everybody's one-upping themselves in distress and just being quiet, and when there's a break in the conversation and someone looks to you to make a contribution, you can change the subject to something that you really want to talk about that's productive to talk about. Your bosses will see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And then you could also do the, you know, Look, you jerks, I'm trying to, trying to keep a positive attitude well, that's here. The thing. That's what right. we don't maybe want to say, right? We don't want to say, can we get back on point? Right? We want to just come out with the point. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. You don't want to criticize anyone because that, that, that falls into that whole competitive trap. It's just take a beat, you know, allow a breath and say, um, what, we really, what I really want to be talking about right here is I have yeah. this thing that I need your input on or whatever. Some people do that naturally. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they they rise through the ranks in their industry very quickly, people who do that. Yes. So, so one of the... 
Sorry, so one of the things that you you talk about is your inner success operating system. And so this is where that inner success operating system comes into play. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, Well, because we have, well, one model to think about who we are as people is that we're like a computer and we have these different operating systems. There's the basic operating system, which is our, our, you know, drives and impulses and um, cravings and needs and all of that. And then there's the observer, the success operating system that's operated by a more observational part of ourselves. It's a little detached from the emotional drama of the basic self. When we're doing a one-upsman conversation or we're, we're, we're gossiping or we're doing any of the things that cause distress in our workplace, we're operating in the basic operating system. We mm. can't succeed from there. It's not designed to succeed. That operating system is designed to get needs, net, needs met and to create patterns that we can follow so we don't have to, for example, learn to brush our teeth every single day. You know, we just ingrained patterns. So that operating system is really good at that. It will not help us succeed. So we have to learn how to, first of all, recognize what operating system is playing right now, which is running the show, and how to shift from the basic system to the success operating system, which is much more neutral. It's not emotionally engaged. So See, we're being set up here because Sue is an educator. Right. <laughs> right? You're in school and Which you missed Which is really, it. really good. But and you didn't get to cut class today. <laughs> no, I love it. So, Sue, so wait, there's the basic and then there's the observer and then there's the success? No, the success is the okay. operating system. It's operated by the observer in us. Oh, the I got it. The observer is the character who operates it, right? Okay. And so how do we, I know there's, we use um, observation and awareness to kind of moment to moment help to shift, but is there anything else that we can do to kind of help shift us into more of the observer role and not just going from that basic, that basic mode? Yeah, I'm using your breath is really important. You know how grandma always gave you the advice to count to 10? Yeah. <laughs> Counting to 10 is a great strategy in any situation <laughs> before we react, right? Yeah, that's a, that, you're absolutely right. I don't think anybody says that anymore, but you know what? That's a really good one to count to 10. Before you yeah. say anything, mm-hmm. put a cork in it and count to 10. But I think there's something else. Yeah. I think while you have that time that you just gave yourself. The 10. The 10. You have to go into that other place. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're kind of buying some time. Excuse me while I go change into Superman. Let me count to <laughs> exactly. 10. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. So in the example that we've been using of the conversation that's distressing, and here we are, and we enter into the room, and we're in our upbeat self, and we're feeling happy, and all this is going on, and we take a breath, or take ten, you know, count to 10, take a breath, and in that, in that, in those 10 seconds, we're going to feel the pull of the competitive story that wants to come out from us, and we're going to make a choice. But just practicing that muscle over and over and over again, you can probably have 500 opportunities during a day. I was just going to say that's very easy to practice. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you practice it, the stronger it gets, like your biceps. You want strong biceps, you lift weights. 
you know, there's so much to that about just practicing how you use your mind because we let the mind just do whatever it wants and it's kind of a brat and <laughs> you know there's something to be said for you know being mindful about what you think and what you say mm-hmm. before you say it and counting to 10 they'd be like <laughs> with us it would be like all of a sudden everybody would be saying oh they're counting to 10 again they're counting yeah. to 10 again <laughs> Take a beat. (laughs) No, this is terrific. And when we get back, we'll talk about the inner success operating system some more. And especially around like what to do when you feel like you're losing your temper and and counting to 10. And is there anything else that we could do? So let's talk about that when we get back. So we're about to take our second break. Um, Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And our guest today is Sue Bryan. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Okay, we are back, segment three. We were talking about the inner operating system, but um, we are also with Sue Bryan, a mind-body coach, and we're talking about happiness, which is really cool, mm-hmm. right? Um, Sue's website is www.inward-journey.com. Email her at imaginesue at inward-journey.com. Do that right now because I think um, you will never be the same. And sign so, up for the newsletter. And so, okay, well, hold on. I wanted to, before we go into that, Okay. I have a question, Sue, and I don't mean to sidetrack. So I go into my mentors of the founders when I do my seminar, and I noticed in your book about a really cool mm-hmm. statement that you make, right? The U.S. Constitution does not guarantee happiness, only the pursuit of it. You have to catch up with it yourself, and that's from Ben Franklin, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess my question is, and it might be off topic, but do you think those guys got what you're saying? Gosh, you know, I really do. I, I really do. I, I, I look. I don't. I look back at our history. That Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, George Washington. I really do. I think they were onto something super gigantic that we don't even really understand completely. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. I just wanted to ask. Um, so, okay, so the operating system, right? Mm-hmm. This is our new tool, right, mm-hmm. Eva? Um, I need to learn when I have to shift mm-hmm. and what tools do I use to shift. We heard about counting to 10. I'm going to get really good at that, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. 
Um, <laughs> and, but the point is, when I count, what am I supposed to be doing in the meantime? So I'm enduring that. Yeah. Great question. What you're doing physiologically is you're shifting from your fight flight nervous system to your rest digest nervous system. So that's a lot. That's sort of complicated to get into, but you know about fight flight freeze, right? The adrenaline, mm-hmm. right? So that is the hallmark of the reactor operating system, the basic self. It's almost always in fight flight. Its whole thing is about survival. The rest, digest, connect nervous system is the way we feel when we're sitting on the patio with a glass of wine and friends, right? It's relaxed. It's neutral. It's um, happy by nature. It's connecting. It connects with others. Um, And so we're shifting our nervous system from the one to the other in that 10 seconds. So how do you do that? Breathing helps, you know. The, 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 the fight-flight system is all about shallow chest breathing. And the, the, uh, the rest-digest-connect connect system is all about deep abdominal breathing. So you want to breathe deeply. You've got to activate a different nervous system. So I know it sounds really weird, but one of the things that we did, we, I worked in a high school that had um, our whole population was teenagers who had been involved in the criminal justice system. So they were all, um, it, was a, it was not a great place to work, but we were helping a lot of kids. Anyway, a lot of fighting, a lot of anger, a lot of rage, a lot of acting out. And one of the things that we, used, that we came to do is just ask them as their fist is pulled back, ready to hit someone or something, to stop. I put a hand up in their face and say, stop and tell me what shoes you have on today. Because bringing their energy and their attention inward and downward tends to help dissipate that fight-flight reaction. So I know it sounds silly, but thinking of your feet can really help in that 10 seconds. Interesting. That's pretty interesting. Now, when so when they're ready to just start pummeling someone, if you jump in there and you say that, did you find, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that you did find that it worked all the time, but... Um, I, I'm a little shocked that they would do that, actually, and not just say, get out of my way and keep swinging. Right. Well, they did trust us. Okay. <laughs> we, had, we had work to gain trust. I wouldn't walk up to a stranger on the street and try that. Um, these were kids that I worked with every day, so they knew who I was, and they knew they weren't going to hit me. Okay. You know, I did have one, one student one time, instead of hitting a teacher, put his fist through a plate glass window. He turned Ooh. enough to miss, you know, to not hit the teacher. He couldn't stop the swing, right. but he didn't hit the adult. So, um, you know, they, they, you have, we have more control than we think. And for some reason, bringing our thoughts and our energy inward and downward is tremendously powerful. So think about this. If you're in a work situation where you're nervous and you feel like, oh, my gosh, I have to talk to this person. Maybe it's a boss or maybe you're firing somebody or whatever. Um to really just take that breath and bring your attention inward and downward is going to calm your body. You'll be out of fight flight. Maybe you have to right. do it every two seconds for a while, you know. <laughs> right. I was going to ask that in, the, in that can this technique be used as a preemptive, not at in the heat of the moment, right? It's not awesome. before I even think about cocking my fist, right? Yes. Yes, and if we if you if we adopt it as a practice, spend time every morning 
just remembering to ground ourselves in that way and be calm, then that will become more of a default mechanism for us over time. I mean, that's something we could even do in the workplace. Okay, guys. Well, um, I think it's absolutely essential. Before we start the meeting, let's take 30 seconds to kind of ground ourselves. Okay. And they're going to say, what? What happened to Labasco? Yeah, trust me. <laughs> um, so, no, this is fantastic. So let me ask. Okay, so I'm a customer, right, Sue? And um, I email imaginesoup at inward.com. What am I going to ask you? Am I going to ask you for um, what are you selling on your site? What are you sharing with us? And what services do you offer to us? Okay. Well, the simplest way to get involved is on the website, sign up for the newsletter. So you'll get, um, I don't send a lot of email, but, you know, the occasional just update on what's happening, um, where I'm speaking, what I'm thinking about, what I'm blogging about, that kind of stuff. And um, is that, a, that comes out once a month? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So that's, that's the easiest and simplest way to get involved. Um, and uh, if someone wants to work with me, I do do private coaching. And that always starts with a free session, a free hour-long session, which is not a sales session. It's an actual coaching session. <laughs> so if someone hears something that they want more information about or they want to talk to me specifically about their situation related to what we're talking about, they can make an appointment with me via email, and I'd be happy to talk with them and uh, give them a little more insight. That would be my joy and delight. Excellent. So nice. You're, uh, so I'm thinking, right, with the newsletter, it's sort of a way to be insight in mind, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can also reach out um, if we need to or when we need to for more specific. And I say that because I'm looking at some of the things that we have on you. And you talk about high investment, low investment, medium return, high return, and so on. And I absolutely get it that the highest effectiveness comes from a one-on-one type of coaching arrangement. Yes, always. It's so personal and so fully directed onto the client's needs, you know. And I guess that has to evolve over time to get that trust, right? You You know, maybe. And some people just know it's right. You know, they mm-hmm. just know this is what's calling them, and and those are you know those are a joy to work with those people. Right, because even in this in this conversation so far, right, in my vision, I'm thinking that I'm in the conference room. I mean, I'm applying everything that you're saying mm-hmm. in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So there really is no place where this can't be applied, right? Absolutely and, no place. Yeah. Right, and the one thing that we can't be in the workplace is weak. And, you know, by owning this and learning to shift, and then I come out as, like I said, okay, now I'm Superman. You know, you can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's unbelievable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. And, and it makes – the thing is, and I really want to stress this because I've been working a lot with – preschool directors and preschool teachers in the last few months and helping them change the culture of their child care facilities. And it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of six businesses or if you're the assistant to the janitor. Right. 
you can change the culture in your workplace. Right. Aha, that's great. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, excellent. So, Sue, one of the things that you talk about is how to overcome overwhelm. And you always hear that. I think you hear that a lot, especially from women, that we always feel overwhelmed. No matter what's going on, we always feel overwhelmed. And so I'm assuming that part of it is the, you know, taking a breath. But is do you have any other suggestions for how to overcome being overwhelmed? Well, it's basically the same thing because being overwhelmed or having that energy of overwhelm is a choice. Mm. It's a decision that we're making to let the details. The to-do list will never be done. It's right. never going to be done. There's a, because you're always going to have to sweep the floor again, right? Mm-hmm. So there's never a point. We, we keep thinking we have this myth that we live in that we're going to get on top of the to-do list. That's not going to happen. So if we allow the to-do list to have power over us and change our mood into one of helplessness and overwhelm, well, that's just not a, you know, that's not a happy way to live. It's not a great way to live. Instead, we can make the choice to say, I'm doing everything I can, and I'm using my time as effective. See, the problem is we also have a really big myth about what is effective. That we, if, you know, if we're not working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, then we're not being as productive as we possibly could. And we need to discipline ourselves to take time to renew ourselves. Well, and without the renewal, you're really not getting that much done because no one truly can work a 16-hour day. I mean, people say that they can, but I don't think you truly can work 16 solid hours. I don't I don't think you can either, and I think it leads to burnout because it is dependent on adrenaline, you know, in order yes. to work that many hours, and so you're going to burn out. It's also a way and a need to slow down the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't just keep rushing and doing and tasking and rushing and doing and tasking. Sort of like when I was a, a sports coach, I would go out to the mound. That was sort of like counting to 10 mm. rather than panic and start screaming and say, what the heck is going on here? Take a trip to the mound. And while I'm going out to the mound, try to calm everything down. Maybe I was doing something like this by default, but I think Net net, what I'm trying to say is it's also a way to slow down the game, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we work too fast and we do things, we do too much. It's piling on. Well, and if you're tired, you're really not being effective. That's right. the other yeah. thing. Yeah, you have, just, if you haven't eaten for six hours, you're not being effective either. Yeah, yeah, right. And if you if you haven't been outside to look at some kind of horizon during the day, you're not being fully effective either. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, we can go on and on and on, right? Yes, we can. Um, <laughs> this is really good. We're not done yet. No. Nope. Right? We're going to take our last break, and then we're going to come back for another segment with uh, Sue Bryan, the Mind Body Coach, and we're going to learn more about the inward journey. So stay with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Neva. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. 
He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. Welcome back, everyone. This is our fourth and final segment with Sue Bryant, and she is a mind-body coach and the author of Being Truly Happy, Seven Secrets of Truly Happy People. And you can find out more about Sue at her website at inward-journey.com. So, Sue, I was just um, looking through your book again, Being Truly Happy, and one of the secrets that you have, you have seven secrets to what happiness, um, how we can become truly happy, and you say happy people focus on the things that are working in their lives, not on the things that aren't working. And I know that there's people out there that'll say, well, if I don't focus on the stuff that's not working, how am I ever going to fix it? Well, yeah, that's a common argument. And it's not about never focusing on the things that aren't working. It's about tipping the balance so that we're spending more of our energy focusing on the things that are working because one of the strange laws of the universe is that what we focus on grows. I absolutely 100% agree with that. Um, Because I don't think that there's a lot of people out there that understand that that is what happens. When you focus on the negative, you get more negativity in your life. If you focus on the positive, you tend to get more positive things in your life. And if you're focusing on what's working, more things will start working in your life, even though I think people, some people don't necessarily believe that. They don't, and I didn't. But when my son, my oldest son was a baby, he was about 15, 18 months old, and he was a complete disaster. He was, you know, a we couldn't go to a restaurant without the waitress dropping a tray and, and water spilling and ketchup every, you know. And, um, and I used, I started thinking of him. I used to sort of teasingly say, Oh, here's an accident waiting to happen. And bless my ex-husband's heart. He came home from some personal growth thing and he said, we're not going to talk about him anymore that way. What we're going to do is when something untoward happens, if something spills or breaks, we're going to say, why, Tyler, that's not like you. Usually you're so careful. And I thought, okay, I'll go along, you know. But in two days, my son's life was transformed by us focusing on how he's usually careful, even though we didn't believe it. Wow, I didn't realize that it could be done as quickly as two days. That's pretty amazing. I guess because especially because a little baby or or a small child is um, just more open. Yes. More open to the suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. And there wasn't time to really get all the negativity ingrained yet. So I think right. that's a great story. And I know you have some other stories around how to use the inner success operating system for parenting. Is there anything else that you'd like to share around parenting? Oh, just that it's it's a wonderful, beautiful um, experience that I think, you know, people really, really want to be the best parent they can be, and they're not exactly sure how. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody's striving to be a good a good parent, and one of the ways is to really step up out of that basic operating system where we're, it's all emotionally driven, right, and needs driven, and it's murky, and get out of there 
and be more neutral and allow our children to to meet us there as well. It's, it's phenomenal. I've used it a lot with parents. Yeah, you know, it's funny, right? So, so Sue, we just set you up a little bit, but thank you, because that was perfect, because I was thinking, too, about people managers, and mm-hmm. I'm not comparing a people manager to a parent, believe me, but... It's the same, it's the same technique, right? A people manager needs to remove the angst about dictating or disciplining their coworkers and focus more on what the coworkers are doing effectively and say even that exact same example, Joe, that's not really like you. Normally you deliver, is there something I can do to help or something like that? And I think that could change the whole the whole place. Yes, right? it will. Yeah. Yeah. And teachers have known this for decades. When I went to teacher college, you know, a million years ago, we learned about the self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, and the mm-hmm. teacher who was given a classroom of mo- um, moderately mentally retarded students and told that they were gifted. And they ended up outperforming everyone else in the school because of mm. her belief in their giftedness. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, I, I love that. I love that example, Sue, because, and what you were saying, Charlie, because it's so true. It's, it's what we label someone as tends to actually be what happens and how we speak to ourselves also tends to be what happens. Yeah. You know, if we don't consider ourselves successful, there's a good chance we will not be successful. If we consider ourselves successful, there's a good chance that we will be successful if we keep moving in that direction and keep yeah. thinking that way. And if so, we consider ourselves to be happy and optimistic, we will be happy and optimistic. We um, we get to cheat, right, mm-hmm. Eva, because we learn from our guests, um, <laughs> which is good. So, And we are, we are really learning so much. We have about five minutes left. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, Sue, where this... Um, in our operating system came from. I mean, you had to vision it. You had to shift in your head and create these different places and then kind of call it that and then write about it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, when or where or how does, did that initially happen? Well, I was first introduced to the idea of levels of self. Through there's a, a psychologist from early 20th century called Roberto Assagioli, and so I was reading some of the things that he had written. But he didn't start. He didn't begin this. Um, the the ancient Egyptian religion and the ancient there's a Kuna tradition in Hawaii in the Pacific Islands. Both talk about this idea of different. They don't call them operating systems. They didn't have computers. They call them levels of operation or levels of self or levels of self awareness or and, um, you know, it just has grown through my studying that and experiencing it in my life. I'm my own best lab, I'll tell you. You know, I became a parent mm-hmm. educator because I wanted to be a better parent. Yeah. But you're also utilizing your academic background in how you explain it. I don't think this would be as effective otherwise. I right? agree. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah, excellent. So... Sue, with the four minutes that we have left, what can people start doing tomorrow 
to start changing their focus and start changing their habits, especially when they start running into resistance. I know we've talked a lot about it, but maybe we can summarize a little bit as to what they can actually start doing tomorrow to start changing the way they think and helping the people around them change the way they think. Mm -hmm. Well, two things come immediately to mind. One is start the day affirming where where you want to be, who you want to be, your own optimism, your own happiness, your own inner success. Spend a few minutes. could be when you're in the shower, while you're brushing your teeth, while you're driving to work, whatever. Spend a few minutes affirming who you want to be in the world, how, how happy you are, how optimistic, how successful. And then at the other end of the day, spend at least five minutes writing down the things that worked during the day the things that you appreciate, the things that you're grateful for, the things that work, the things you're proud of, um, the times when you were able to disengage from the distress or turn on your happiness, any to just collect evidence in a notebook in writing. That's one of the most powerful tools that there is because it reprograms the subconscious mind while you sleep. Oh, I love that because it's 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 a little bit more than just a gratitude journal because it's all about just appreciation for anything that's going well. And I think you're right. I think that's such a powerful tool to use. But I hadn't really thought about it that it reprograms you while you're sleeping. So you're kind of hitting up the day from both sides. In the morning, before you really get started, you're affirming who you want to be and how you want to be in the world. And then at night, what went right and you're yes. focusing on the gratitude and not not getting into the whole negativity piece of it but looking at what went well today because it is so easy to say Whew, what a crappy day yes. whereas <laughs> you can always find something good in that day and when you start actually mining through the day and looking for the positive it will put you in a more positive mindset yeah i think that's terrific and as you go to sleep, that positivity downloads directly into your subconscious mind as a new pattern. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's terrific, too, that it, it's going into your subconscious mind. And maybe for once you'll have some sweet dreams, for real. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, this is why we need a coach, right? right? Because we can't do it alone. We need a coach. And I agree um, to sign up for the newsletter to be insight in mind. Right. And then reach out occasionally with a question or two to Sue and see what's happening, understand what's going on. I mean, this is on us, right? It's on us. Even Big Ben said it. Yes, right? he did. We get, we're giving you the opportunity to pursue it. You guys got to pursue it. Right. Right? Take action. Yep. And um, this is this is what we're doing. And I just want to say great work. This is fantastic. Thank you so much, Sue. It was a great conversation, and we love the book, and we love your message. It was terrific. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You guys are really fun, and I enjoyed the conversation immensely, too. Oh, excellent. We might need you, so we <laughs> might reach out, right? Here I am. Um, okay, excellent. That's good to know. Listen, Sue, all kidding aside, great work. Have a great rest of the day, and we're going to practice what you taught us for sure. Awesome. Let me know Ex how it goes. I will. We Thank will. you so much. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Take care. Okay. Um, she Terrific brings show. it, right? Mm -hmm. um, as usual, great work. We need to share some of this during the week. Because and again, um, Sue's stuff. website is inwardjourney.com, and you can email her at imaginesue at inward-journey.com. Or, yeah, uh, excellent, inward-journey.com. Any mm -hmm. questions, reach out to us. Great show. See you guys next week.
Have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva.